while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back later in the week. We've got a good show up ahead for you. And we're starting um, with our first guest, uh, Dr. Mark Fuller, uh, Chancellor of UMass Dartmouth. Hey, Mr. Fuller. Sorry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So before we get started, um, uh, you know, you just took, you just accepted the position of chancellor fairly recently. I'd say about a year ago. So, um, so people who may not know who you are, uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do so. So I've actually been in the chancellor role a full two years. The first okay. six months as interim, right? Uh, and then I was appointed uh, into the permanent position about a year and a half ago. Prior to that. I was 12 years at UMass Amherst. I was nine years uh, dean of the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst. And in three years, I was the vice chancellor for advancement, and I ran all of the alumni relations and fundraising activities at the campus. Uh, so two years, on the, two years on the job here. So we're speaking with um, Dr. Mark Fuller. He is the chancellor at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. So one of the things that you've been talking about recently has been uh, your um, student recruitment efforts. Uh, mm -hmm. There were apparently, um, you know, we hit, we had COVID. We had some. Uh, there, there had been some, um, you know, some uh, bumps in the road uh, in terms of enrollment <laughs> at UMass Dartmouth, right? And uh, you had worked on expanding that. Can you tell us a bit about your efforts? Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? There's obviously demographics, even preceding COVID that talked about sort of a declining high school graduation population. But UMass Dartmouth has basically been living through you know, a 10-year decline in new student recruitment at the undergraduate level. So, you know, I was brought in to really try to reverse that, rebuild the brand of the institution and, and do a much better job sort of recruiting uh, at that level. And so this year in fall 22 that we just uh, got out of, we had a three-year high out of the last 10 years uh, in terms of new student. So what we traditionally think of as freshmen, but we think of them as sort of new, new first-time students. And then next year, fall 23, we actually anticipate being at a five-year high. So really trying to reverse some of those trends. And we've done that through some great work, you know, from our team, different strategies and outreach, uh, better in-state recruiting, better out-of-state recruiting, uh, new messaging on the university. We had a great story to tell here, but we weren't articulating it well in the market. And so uh, we really leaned heavily into that. In addition to sort of new technology, uh, CRMs, et cetera, to help uh, consume, uh, customer relationship management systems uh, to help us really reach our students uh, in 
or new innovative ways. So uh, really starting to pay some dividends. Like I said, I think next year we'll probably be at a five-year high at the undergraduate level. And we've also leaned heavily into graduate recruiting uh, because, again, the population seeking education has changed, and we're getting literally 400 times uh, the applications that we got last year, year-to-date, in graduate, given our uh, our focused recruiting in that area. So whereas we might have had 250 last year, we have 1,000 applications uh, for our graduate programs uh, this year. What types of – I mean, I'm a – graduate of the law uh, of the law school which is a branch Indeed of you star with yeah so um so uh i know there i know at least one of, of one of the graduate programs that are offered at umass but what's what are some of the other graduate programs offered at umass dartmouth well i think what we're seeing and we try to be you know we provide a good obviously baseline educational experience but we also try to be and we have to be responsive to the market and so the law school uh, which you're a graduate of is, is one of the fastest growing law schools in the country, but the real growth that we're seeing right now are in many of the STEM uh, disciplines, for example, computer science, cybersecurity, data science, business and analytics, um, also healthcare. All of those areas are really growing, especially at the graduate level. Folks are coming back from the workforce or sometimes going on straight through after their undergraduate to pursue degrees that really get them great jobs. Some of those analytics jobs start in the 80s and can, you know, exceed uh, under 100,000 on the exit salary. So it's really attracting a very different uh, population into the university. What we're trying to do is take advantage of that wave. Uh, We know that there's demand for it, and so we're adjusting our programs and recruitment processes does, take it, advantage of it. does any of that have to do with like sort of the expansion of life sciences and STEM careers in the greater Boston area? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we place nearly 85% of our students back into Massachusetts. And obviously a lot of those are headed either into, you know, the greater Boston area or the South Coast. We still place a lot of students on the South Coast and we take a lot of pride in that. But Boston is clearly uh, a sector that has strong areas in finance, strong areas in technology, and uh, analytics, and strong healthcare. And so we're uh, we're ideally positioned to help provide employees for that workforce. So speaking of um, STEM, uh, you know, w- Governor Healy's very first out-of-office visit, and Lieutenant Governor Driscoll's very first out-of-office visit uh, on official business off of Beacon Hill was at UMass Dartmouth to talk about uh, climate change and the university's role in that. Uh, What did that mean for UMass Dartmouth uh, as an institution, and what ground was covered during that meeting? So we were quite excited about that, obviously. Uh, You know, we were uh, proud to be a uh, chosen as the first site visit, and I think it had a lot to do with our focus on coastal sustainability. We're obviously heavily uh, embedded into the fishing industry, into renewable energy, uh, you know, wind energy. Uh, we have a, you know grants that are working in the area of biodegradability of plastics in the oceans. You know, with all the pollution uh, side effects that uh, plastics can have in our society. 
So we view ourselves as the Marine campus, and I think that was certainly a part of the motivation for the governor's office to come down and visit us. We're also a campus that is highly rated by the Princeton Review in sustainability. We take a great deal of pride in that. And so between our uh, our uh, sort of teaching and research mission focused on uh, sustainability, you know, I think that, you know, we're also a campus that takes a lot of pride in it. And I think that's what really led to us being uh, a choice, at least in the option pool, for that first visit. We're speaking with uh, Dr. Mark Fuller. He's the chancellor at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. Um, so when we... You, you also have talked about, you know, you're improving your student recruitment. There's also been some budget. Sh- uh, there are also prior to your, um, you know, your you taking the position as chancellor. There'd also been some budget pitfalls uh, during the previous administration. Um, what have you done to sort of improve the uh, budgetary strength of of, uh, of, the, of the university? Well, it's interesting. So much of uh, many people think that a public university is largely funded uh, through taxpayer dollars. And there's a big contribution that comes to us. About 40% of our budget is funded through uh, sort of a governmental allocation, if you will. At you know at Amherst, it's about 25%, but the, that's because the other components of it are larger uh, where, the other, where they draw their other revenue sources. So for us, about 40% from the state, and that other 60% comes from tuition, fees, auxiliaries like housing and dining, research uh, overhead, and philanthropic giving. And so even though the public universities are a great value, uh, we certainly try to provide a superior quality product, we really have to pay attention to the financials. I mean, we operate, that 60% operates very much like a, like a private business. We have right. to you know, make ends meet at a university. And so, and and a lot of that is really focused, honestly, on new student recruitment, whether it's undergraduate or graduate, and the retention of those students. And so we really had to revamp how we were approaching and marketing ourselves, the programs we were offering, you know, the technology that we were using to communicate with students. We really had to revamp our processes to not only tell our story better so we can attract those students because we do think we have a great story and we're a great value, but also then retain those students when we're here. So a lot of shifts in uh, the leadership team, a lot of shifts in innovating on our processes, uh, paying a lot of attention to mental health, which is you know a key factor for all educational institutions, our you know, sense of belonging on campus, providing appropriate financial aid, and just really looking at the data and trying to identify those students that might be struggling, whether it's in their coursework, in you know their social uh, interactions or in their financial aid, to identify those students early and, and intervene in their experience so we can try to retain them. Because there's nothing worse than having somebody come to any kind of educational institution and not finish. Right. I mean, I'm a first generation college student. My brothers and I were the first in our family to go to college. And so I really believe in the mission of a public institution, but you've got to finish. And so we're really leaning heavily into processes 
that support our students to allow them to persist through the four years. So we're speaking with uh, uh, Dr. Mark Fuller. Uh, I think that's important, uh, the Chancellor UMass Dartmouth. I think that's an important thing to, to bring up. Uh, I mean, certainly as a as a law student, I'm sure you, as a as a doctoral candidate previously, can can attest to the to to the the varying mental health strains right. that a student can endure. Um, but it's what type of expansive mental health services can a student ex- uh, expect at UMass Dartmouth? Well, we have uh, on-site mental health. We have telehealth that students can avail themselves of so they can actually do it via Zoom with counselors that could be anywhere in the nation. Uh, we also have a brand-new vice chancellor for student affairs, Kimberly Scott, who's done a tremendous job in sort of building programming that will allow students to you know, embed themselves in the fabric and the life of the university. A lot of this is not just COVID. We, we actually had a very interesting uh, speaker on uh, the other, like two weeks ago, that talked about slow versus fast maturation of students. And whereas in the era where I grew up, you know, people got jobs earlier, they got their first car earlier, they took their first drink earlier, there are these markers. Today's students actually do those things at a much later time. And it's, you know, it's a very statistically significant finding. I mean, you can look at these charts where all of these students are delaying these activities that we would typically associate with being an adult, right? And they're delaying them further out at a later age. And what that means is, uh, at least what the belief is right now, is that these students are just a little bit less resilient. Not all of them. But in some cases, they haven't experienced the things that I experienced and probably the things that you experienced earlier in their life, and they're getting them later. And it's not just about COVID. It's about, you know, the whole, a 10-year trajectory on this slower maturation process. As families are smaller, and the, and, and the children are, you know, watched over more closely, whereas if you had a family of eight, I hate to say it, but, it, you know, in the old days, it was survival right. of the fittest, yeah. right? You were outdoors playing, you were getting your jobs early and all the rest of the stuff. And that changed over the last, you know, decade or two. And so we're having to adapt our support services to account for that. So more counseling, more activities, more embedding into the fabric of the university. So we pay a lot of attention to that. So we're speaking with Dr. Mark Fuller. He's the chancellor at the University of uh, of Massachusetts Dartmouth. So, um, is there any sort of um, well, besides you, you talked a lot about STEM uh, and the graduate programs that people are pursuing. What, what are some major undergraduate uh, programs that students are pursuing? I uh, I happen to know uh, just from my time there, a great many people who graduated, uh, who uh, pursued careers in engineering at UMass Dartmouth? Mm-hmm. So we have the, there's two things. Obviously, we're a comprehensive university. What does that mean? We have a, a lot of colleges embedded in us. As you know, we have the systems only law school, but at the undergraduate <laughs> level, uh, we have not only the liberal arts, uh, which many of the smaller private universities have, but then we also have professional schools, which really differentiates in many cases sort of larger universities, although I can talk about our size 
in a second. I think our smaller size was an advantage. But we do have engineering, and we have computer science, and we have business, and we have nursing, we have medical laboratory sciences, and so uh, we uh, so we have all of these professional schools which provide great job outcomes. We also have the UMass Systems only College of Visual and Performing Arts, which has uh, you know the traditional. Uh, performing arts and visual arts, but we also do game design in there. And so we're really trying to build a portfolio of programs that allows our students to get great jobs. I mean, Marcus, you I'm sure you know, but 50% of our students are first-generation college students, and that's what yeah. I was. So 50%. Same. You know, 40% are Pell eligible, right? So the right. students that may not come from a lot of means in their family, and 37% are students of color. And so we're trying to provide, you know, ways to really bootstrap their lives and move them into a different, you know, trajectory and their family's trajectory. They may come from a family that has a has an average uh, income of 50000 right. And yet they can go out with a degree in med lab sciences or nursing or engineering earning 80, 90, or 100 plus thousand dollars a year. So it really does make it, a wonderful sort of transformational uh, experience for those families. So speaking with um, uh, Dr. Mark Fuller, he's the chancellor at UMass Dartmouth. Are there any upcoming events uh, people should be aware of with respect to the university? Well, we have ongoing things. We actually just, uh, strangely enough, just last uh, Sunday or two days ago, we had a new uh, admitted students day and, and were, you know, we were happy to see, you know, literally we used to used to typically have about 400 of those students that came in last year. We had 540 this year, so uh, demand is high. Uh, we certainly have ongoing in, in terms of the community. We're trying to do a better job in welcoming our community to all our events. Uh, we have theater on campus. We have sporting events on campus. Uh, so there's a lot of activity as it relates to that. Uh, I believe this Friday, uh, we're, or within uh, the next couple weeks, we're, we're going to uh, have some announcements related to um, our MUST program, Marine Science and Technology Program Awards. Uh, and so we have a lot of activity as it relates to that um, that's going on. So there's always, there's always a good churn of events, and, and we're trying to do a better job of embedding ourselves into the community on the south coast so that people avail themselves of all those things so um before i let you go and i, I appreciate you joining us uh, this evening and talking about all that umass dartmouth has to offer i think it isn't talked enough about um you know uh publicly in the media etc about what the uh, university has to offer uh where can people go just to learn more about the university if they want to go there if they want to send their kids there well, certainly, uh, if they want to send their kids there, I mean, just hit our website, and you'll see an admissions link right on there. And we have a stellar uh, admissions team now, led by a uh, person I hired about uh, six months into the job, uh, Jim Roach, who's a vice chancellor for enrollment management. We do a terrific job. We're we're seeing demand for open houses and applications that are surging beyond, you know, the levels we've had over the last five years. So we really want to become a destination of choice, not just for the South Coast 
for the state, but also from the entire Northeast. And I'll say one of the things that we take a lot of pride in is we're this great combination of a research university. So you learn from people that are solving issues related to COVID or coastal sustainability in the classroom. They're teaching undergraduates, but we're small enough where you get to meet them. So we're nine or 7,000 students right now, 5,500 undergrads. Any of the other research universities that you're typically exposed to could be 15,000, 30,000. So we're a unique school in that we're small enough that we get to know you and we take the time to get to know you, but you're really exposed to world-class research. So um, I'd point you to our website and we will find you if you if you reach out to us. Trust me, we will return the call. Chancellor Mark Fuller, I appreciate you uh, joining us this evening. Looking forward to talking with you more in the future. Thank you so much, Marcus. That was uh, Chancellor Mark Fuller, um, the Chancellor of UMass Dartmouth, for which I am a, a proud a proud graduate. And actually, my dad worked there for 39 years in, uh, in HVAC. So... Um, Interesting conversation with Dr. Fuller. Uh, I uh, look forward to talking with him more in the future. Uh, we've got a, a good rest of the show ahead of you as well. We have the Ward 3 candidates calling in. Um, I believe uh, Mr. Oliver is going to call in around 830, and Ms. Amaral is going to call in closer to 945 so or 930. So we're going to be talking with them. That race is tomorrow. That election is tomorrow. February 28th, I know it's going to be difficult for a lot of you to get to the polls tomorrow, but I am sure, I'm certain of it, because these are two good campaigners for what I've seen, that these candidates have have um, have uh, shuttle services to the polls. I am certain of it. I am certain of that. So, um, so... However you can get there, if you need a ride, I would, I'll would. i ask them both. Um, but I'm sure they offer shuttle services to the uh, polls for people who have a difficult time. When I was running a city council campaign in Ward 3, we were driving people to the polls on election day. So it might be difficult, but you got to get there. It's really important. With all the stuff that's been going on in the city council, we've been talking about how racuous that that meeting was on Thursday, all the hot-button issues that are before the council. It's really important, I think, that you get down there and that you vote in the Ward 3 election. So 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus, and uh, Chris will be back later in the week. This is 1420 WBSM. 508-996-0500. For people who didn't know and if it applies to you, we have um, there's some cancellations. I know Freetown, Lakeville, Regional uh, School District is canceled. New Bedford Public Schools are canceled. Haven't heard from uh, a few others, but it looks like there's schools are lining up to cancel classes for the day. Uh, if I get more updates, those are the only two that I know of right now. Um, I think there is. Um, there may be a list. Try to find it. Oh, yeah, we got it. So you can look actually on WBSM.com. 
we were rolling. There's a rolling list of updates. So you can go to WBSM.com. Uh, click on there's a school cancellations list and we get the it's from the um, and it'll be an updated list of all the uh, school districts locally that have canceled their classes classes for the day I guess I could have asked uh, Chancellor Fuller if they were canceling class but you can um, you can figure that out if you go to WBSM.com you look at school cancellations and you click on the link and it'll be there so 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Wanted to direct you to WBSM.com. We have an article that was up from Friday night, our Friday night show. Our Friday night show was actually a lot of fun. We had um, first we started with uh, counselors uh, Shane Burgo and Ryan Pereira, counselor at large Shane Burgo and Ward 6 City Counselor Ryan Pereira, who... Um, both uh, wanted to come in. They actually had reached out to me to come in because there was a, a pretty pretty chaotic meeting on Thursday. Really chaotic meeting on Thursday uh, where we had a Ward 4 City Councilor Derek Baptiste call our reporter Little Guy. Um, and, you know, you had other counselors um, squawking about the local media um, to include Council President Morad, who spent 25 minutes ranting about Mayor Mitchell and the media. Uh, then you had um, a few other counselors complain about the media as well. But counselors Burgo and Pereira, I think, wanted to inoculate themselves from all of that insanity and, frankly, in some cases, stupidity from the city council meeting and say, hey, listen, we're all individuals here, <laughs> which I thought was a really astute move, and we really appreciated it. And, of course, I always welcome to have any of the counselors on or any local elected official. We have a lot of them on. I always welcome to have any or any local elected officials welcome to join this program and uh, discuss the issues or clarify things with us when they want to. But... One of the, we had a, it was a two hour conversation, right? So you can go to the podcast anywhere podcasts are offered if you're interested in hearing like the whole thing, the more robust part of the conversation. But the first hour was really more of a conversation with uh, Councilor Burgo and Pereira. The second hour, they took some calls. Uh, former Mayor Scott Lang, who was already, who had already been scheduled to, to come in, joined in on the conversation and I thought brought up some really, um, First of all, he read The Funnies, which is a great segment that's been going on since Chris's show, but also brought up some uh, interesting points about, you know, decorum between city officials. But one of the comments to the com the comments I, I, I thought to be some of the more interesting comments, which is what's encapsulated in the article, which is only a little bit of the conversation. But some of the comments were their frustrations in working with the mayor, John Mitchell. Uh Shane Burgo said Mitchell, he, first of all, he prefaced, prefaced it by saying he's, you know, has a good working relationship with Mayor Mitchell for the most part, that they have good conversations, that they talk regularly, and that they're very cordial and friendly. But he went on to say that, you know, aside from that, that he believes Mitchell is uh, my way or the highway. He thinks that there are certain situations in which he said Mitchell's misled people through the media 
on the council's position on stuff and where they've worked on stuff. And so those specific examples that he talked about are cited in the article. Uh, with Ryan Pereira, uh, he talked about several examples where he, it seems like, felt like he was being belittled or dismissed by the mayor. Um, he said he accused the mayor of calling one of his one of his ideas dumb. So it's, you know, again, some interesting commentary, and I direct you to WBSM.com to check that out or and or if you want to check out the podcast because they do take some calls. They do take some app chat messages. We covered a lot of ground, didn't just talk about um, the mayor. We talked about um, some of the things that were in front of the council, uh, some of the issues that they're working, that they're each working on, like housing. And um, I appreciated them coming on again. They reached out. What I liked, what I liked was, I mean, I'm always reaching out, right? To I always book guests throughout the week. Chris and I, we're always reaching out to people booking guests, but it's always nice when a guest comes to you, right? And so it was after that chaotic meeting in which, you know, again, a, a city councilor called a, a reporter in the chambers, little guy, right? Um, after that chaotic meeting and all of the, all of the, you know, all of the venting, I guess, the vent session that a lot of these councilors had, they just wanted to vent. Um, Prayer had reached out to me and said, hey, Shane and I would like to come on the show on Friday. And I said, great. Made our Friday show a lot of fun. Our Friday shows are fun. Friday nights seem to be a time when a lot of news happens on South Coast tonight in particular. You know, you have, you know, you've, we've, we broke the Healy, you know, we broke the news of Healy endorsing Haro in the, in the sheriff's race. We, you know, had some news on Friday with Councillor Burgo and Prayer and their thoughts on working with Mitchell and some other things. Right. So we seem to, for one reason or another, be able to make some news happen on Friday nights. And so it's always a lot of fun. Friday nights are always, always fun. Makes it worth it. It's all worth it. But you know what I mean? Friday nights are the most fun. They're my favorite shows. So 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. You never know who will call in the South Coast tonight. But they want to hear from you most of all. Call 508-996-0500. Or use the WBSM app to send an app chat text message or leave voicemail. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Um, so at the in the 8 o'clock hour, we have uh, Ward 3 City Councilor candidate uh, Sean Oliver. He's going to call in at 830. One of the things I'm obviously going to ask him about is, is that story that came out on WBSM. It's actually been reported by every local media outlet. And it was uh, some Facebook comments that were... That were, uh, I mean, some Facebook memes, some posts that were shared by Oliver that some have said uh, are, quote, um, transphobic. Uh, so, and some that 
they say contradicts his central campaign message. We'll talk more about that in the eight o'clock hour. I know he said some. I know he had a conversation with Tim. We're gonna we're gonna also talk to him as well here on South Coast tonight. Carmen Amaral is gonna call in later in the program too. I believe closer to ten around nine thirty nine forty five. We're gonna hear from uh, Carmen Amaral again. That Ward Three City Council election is tomorrow. That's tomorrow, and uh, it is all day, right? I believe it's 7 in the morning, maybe 6, until 8 o'clock at night. You can get there. Last um, turnout was, the turnout was like 680-something, I think, in the last Ward 3 election. There's like 10,000 eligible voters in the ward. Now, you know, typically municipal elections are always lower than the general election, so... I mean, then the like uh, even midterm or presidential election years, of course, it's going to be lower. Uh, you're not expecting all 10,000 people to show up, although that would have been that would be nice. But at least, like I said, if you're in Ward 3 and you may have a difficult time getting to the polls tomorrow due to the weather, there have been a lot of school cancellations. You can check on WBSM.com to see the rolling list of school can, uh, cancellations that will continue to be updated um, on uh, it'll be continue to continue to be updated. You can see all the schools in the area that are canceling that are canceling for tomorrow. If you're going to have difficulty getting to the polls, um, one of those campaigns will offer you a ride to the polls. Guess what? You don't have to tell them who you're voting for either. So you won't have to tell them who you're voting for. They'll offer you a shuttle to the polls. I'm sure there'll be somebody that'll be able to get you to the polls tomorrow. There will be somebody that will be able to get you to the polls tomorrow. You just need to reach out to them and make sure uh, so you can make sure you get there before eight o'clock because this is going to be a close election. It's going to be a really close election. Every vote counts. You you know, the difference between each candidate uh, was about 27 votes, but there's, you know, a few hundred up for grabs. So you're basically they're both basically starting from zero. They're both basically starting from zero. It is going to be a very close election. Your vote is going to count. You not showing up could mean, could literally swing the election. We actually saw some state rep elections be decided by one vote. One was decided up in uh, the North Shore was decided by one vote. Another one was decided by uh, seven votes, seven votes total. And there were like 60 write-ins actually. So... These elections are close, and they matter, and your vote matters. So make sure you get there. Again, there'll be plenty of ways for people to facilitate your vote. 508-996-0500 is how you can join us this evening. Tell you what, we're going to take a break now. We'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me marcus do you have a family member named gilly that was in the alcohol sales industry yes i do yep uh that is i I do actually uh so that's correct um so uh 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program we have um that was a, that was from Polly in New Bedford thanks for uh thanks for the message Polly uh that is correct i do have a family member named Gilly um so i also appreciate Polly saying the other night that i'm growing on him that was very nice of you i appreciate it 
It's a process. <laughs> it's a process. But eventually, they all do. They, they all come around. They all come around. You all come around. I appreciate it. I'm just kidding. I appreciate it. It was definitely rough. It was definitely a uh, rocky start when I first came on with Chris. But over time, I think the audience and I have developed a uh, a good dialogue that uh, I've been able to continue on my Saturday show. And I'm able to continue on South Coast tonight. And I really, uh, really do appreciate everybody giving me the opportunity. Because uh, if it wasn't for you guys tuning in, I wouldn't be able to be here every night. And uh, I'm grateful for that. So thank you. 508-996-0500. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. Uh, and yeah, we're going to have Sean Oliver in, in the second hour. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have Sean Oliver in and we're going to have, um, we're going to have uh, Carmen Amaral in, in the third hour. So stay tuned for that. And, Give us a call. This is uh, South Coast Tonight. And, yeah, of course, we're going to talk about that story. We didn't get a chance to talk about it on Friday because we had all that other stuff going on with the council. But we definitely, um, you know, with the, the councilors being in, Mayor Lang being in, we, I think we covered a lot of ground. You can check out that podcast when you get the chance to. I think um, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, but um, we'll talk more about that in the, the 8 o'clock hour. 